Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Daniel, chapter 10. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. We come to the beginning of the fourth and the final vision. Now, chapter 10 is actually an introduction of a very long vision that continues in chapter 11 and chapter 12. Daniel, at this point, has seen so many visions that if he were on Christian television, he'd have enough TV bookings for the rest of his life. It's amazing how many visions and how God spoke to him and how God dealt with him. So chapter 10 actually is the pinnacle for everything that he has seen. Daniel has seen kingdoms come and kingdoms go, but tonight, chapter 10, listen, saints, is the vision of all visions. You know, it's almost like these visions, they kind of intensify. As you study them, you can see that they they just kind of intensify. Chapter 10 is the vision of all visions. As this particular vision, it knocks Daniel to his knees. Let's jump right in. Daniel chapter 10, saints beginning in verse 1. If you're there, say amen. Amen. Now in the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a message was revealed to Daniel, whose name was called Belteshazzar. The message was true. I love that statement. Don't have time to deal with it tonight, but I, I love that statement. The message is true. The word of God is true. I don't care what people say. God's word is true. But the appointed time was long, and he understood the message, and he had understanding of the vision. And in those days, I, Daniel, was mourning for 21 days, three weeks. I ate no food, mourning and fasting. I ate no pleasant food, he said. No meat or wine came into my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all till three whole weeks were fulfilled. Stop right there. Give me your attention. Remember, I told you uh, sometime back. Give me your attention. Sometime back, we we talked about uh, I mentioned to you that 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 from Daniel chapter seven through Daniel chapter 12, that these chapters are not in chronological order. And so chapter 7 and chapter 8 fit between chapter 4 and chapter 5. Chapter 9 fits between chapters 5 and chapter 6. And chapter 10 through 12 actually follow chapter 6. You got that? Get the tape. (laughs) So, it's the year, 536 B.C., and a message was revealed to Daniel. Now, I think it's important, it's just a recap here. At the time, at this time, Daniel is in Babylon. He's an old guy. He's probably about 85. Some scholars and commentators say that he's about 90 years old. He's been taken from his country and his culture. 
They have changed his name from Daniel, which means God is judge, to Belshazzar, meaning Bel's prince. They've given him a Babylonian name. And not only did they take his name, but they also tried to take his religion and make him wear Babylonian clothes. And yet he never turned his back on God. Even after they made him a eunuch, he didn't turn his back on God. I mean, remember, when he came into Babylonian captivity, he was probably about 17 years of age. I mean, how many 17-year-olds you know say, yay, I'm going to be a eunuch? No family, no chance of family, no chance for all the things that make a normal ute. That's how they say it up north, utes, youth. No chance for any of that. But we talked about this, and the one thing I love about Daniel most, all through his life, Daniel purposed purity in his heart. And he was determined to love the Lord his God with all of his heart, mind, and soul. And no matter what happened to him, no matter what happens around him, or no matter what happens around us, or the disappointments that come to us or came to him, Daniel decided, purpose, purity in his heart, that he was going to serve God and he was going to love God with all of his heart for all of his life. And here he is, 90 years old, 85, 90-ish. And he's still serving God. And might I add, may it be said of us believer folks that when we get old, we're still going to be serving God. I told you, I hope to die in the pulpit. I want to be preaching a sermon and midway sentence just boom, drop. Just head boom. You go, oh, my God, that hurt right (laughs) here. I ain't going to get up and do this. And I'll tell you something, don't pray that the Lord bring me back. Don't pray that now. Because if I come back, I'm going to hit you. (laughs) I don't want to come back. Don't want to be here. I mean, I do and I don't. I do and I don't. And so Daniel, here he is, an old guy, old man. He hasn't let his situation, circumstances make him bitter at God, but they actually made him better, and he's still serving God and still loving God's people. I love that about Daniel. Now, at this time, Cyrus had already given the proclamation for the people to go back to Jerusalem to begin to build. The amazing thing about that is two million people, at the time that they came into Babylonian captivity, listen, at the time that they came into Babylonian captivity, two million Jewish people came into captivity. When Cyrus gave the command for them to go home, that they were free to go, only 50,000 went back home. Don't you find that alarming? Why? Because, listen, they began to sing the song of Babylon. The people began to get comfortable in Babylon. They forgot about their homeland. They settled down in Babylon. Their kids went to Babylonian high school. They went to Babylon U. They probably got their first high-speed chariot in Babylon. So they got comfortable. They settled down in Babylon. That is sad. Christian, can I encourage you? Don't get settled down in this world. We, we can't. And I know it's difficult. I'm not saying you're going, don't get settled down because it's easy. It isn't easy. It's very difficult, but you can do it because greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. 
And so we can't, as Christians, allow ourselves to get settled down in this Babylonian world system. I am so afraid for the church. I got to tell you, I'm afraid for the church because we're so caught up in this world system. It ain't even funny. But my hope's not in this world. My hope's not in this world. I'm going to do my part. Don't misunderstand me. Pastor's going to do his part. But when it's all said and done, to God be the glory, I'm going to serve the Lord no matter what. So we can't allow ourselves to get caught up because we're just passing through. This is not your home. You know, it's in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 10. And I love this about Abraham talking about Abraham. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Did you know that Abraham was a very wealthy man? And when he died, he didn't own one thing. He never owned a home. He never bought timeshares. He had no investments. He had no retirement. He left nothing for his kids, which is what I'm seeking to do. (laughs) I ain't leaving you nothing. (laughs) Spend it all. Because my hope's in heaven, see. And the only piece of property, real estate, the only piece of property that Abraham owned was at Hebron, which he brought for a burial plot, a grave that he bought for his wife at Machpelah. That's all he owned. Abraham was a man who could have bought any piece of real estate he wanted. He had the money. It wasn't like he was broke and he couldn't. He chose not to. Why? Because he knew, don't get caught up in this world's Babylonian system. Abraham was looking for a city whose builder and maker was God. And everywhere Abraham went, you know what he did? He set up a tent and he set up an altar. Everywhere he went, search the scriptures. He set up a tent and he set up an altar. Wherever he went, he would pitch his tent, which, to, which was to say that this earth was temporary. And he would set up an altar, which was to say, while I'm here, I think I'll worship. The world is temporary, I understand. But while I'm here, I think I'll worship. You see, Abraham was a wanderer and a worshiper, a pilgrim and a priest. Why? Because he was a stranger and a sojourner. Abraham knew, I'm headed for heaven. And you know, in reality, This is what's important in life. You know, I spent time with Paul. You guys know Paul and Cindy? We got off the plane and went straight to the hospital to visit with Paul. As many of you know, Paul is 35 years old. He is dying of cancer. And for Paul, it will be any day now that he will move from this address to that one. Don't you like that? You know, Paul is not going to die. Paul's going to move. He's going to change his address and he's got the joy of the Lord like you guys never seen. And doctors and nurses come in his room at night and they sit in his room at night to enjoy the presence of the Lord. You ought to see it. You ought to sense it. You ought to be there. And I'm amazed because I went in this room. He's like all happy to see us and went back the next day. He said he wanted to go home for a couple of days and. And he's in hospice care, and they let him go home. And so I went to his house after I did a conference, and I went to visit with him for a while. And I went in his house. He looked so good. He's just sitting up, and he got color in his skin. And he looks good. And Cindy looks good. And they look happy. 
And they are a living witness for the glory and the testimony for God, for the kind of how Christians suffer. This is the way we suffer with the joy of the Lord, which is our strength. And nobody can tell me anything different. I know that when you have the peace of God in your life, no matter what you go through, you can endure anything. And not only endure, because some folks endure grumbling. Yeah, they do. Well, I got cancer and I'm, hey, no, I'm enduring. That's some people. And some folks are like, hey, God knows. God will sustain me. God will bless me. God, that, that's Paul and Cindy. And, and you know what? All they're looking for, they don't, you know, you guys, and you'll hear more about this because we're going to do something as a church, but they don't have anything. They don't have anything. They dropped everything. The insurance people dropped them, and the jobs dropped them, and she can't work or she got to take care of him. Yeah. And they still got joy. I said, hey, Pastor Rodney. I'm like, oh, you got to bring this joy thing down now. That's like kind of up over the top. But it's a joy to me to see how God is sustaining them. And this is important. And this is where life comes down to, you guys. When you're on your deathbed, when your time is up, pretty much your time is up. Look, it doesn't matter what you have or what you don't. Who who dies? He who dies wins the most toys. Or who dies? Well, how's that thing go? He who dies with the most toys wins. Wins what? Go ahead, answer if you know. Wins nothing. Because you can't take it with you. That's why we got to understand that we are sojourners passing through. That's all. And, and, and there's no point in setting your heart on the things here. Just allow God to work in your life, teach you what he's going to teach you. On your deathbed, when you're on your way home, nothing's going to matter but heaven. So I guess that begs a question. Where are you sojourning? Hey, let's do something. Close your eyes. Close your eyes right now. Everyone, close your eyes. No peeking. No peeking. Close your eyes. Let me ask you a series of questions, and I really want you to kind of, you know, search your heart. Search. Think about this. Think about it soberly. Where are you sojourning tonight? What are you living for? What are you really living for? I mean, we got to stop and ask ourselves that question. What are we living for? I mean, so many people are sojourning and living in the land of ifs and maybes. Well, if this happens, and I'll do this, and if that happens, and I'll do that. Sojourning in the lands of ifs and maybes. You know, even with our eyes closed and our heads bowed, Lord, just forgive us. And Father, we tonight just want to make up our minds, Lord Jesus, that we're going to sojourn with you. Lord, that we're going to set up a tent and set up an altar And nothing's going to stop us from reaching Jesus in Jesus' name. And all of us agree and said, amen. So Daniel, in our text, he's grieving, he's mourning for the people. Why? Because remember these 2 million people that only 50,000 went back home? Well, well, that's grievous to Daniel. 
Daniel thought surely they would stampede to their homeland as soon as they're released. And they didn't. And so he's been mourning for three weeks and he didn't eat. Notice in your Bibles again, he didn't eat in verse three. And notice he ate no pleasant food, no meat and no wine. He was fasting and praying. Now, a biblical fast means that you deny the physical to focus on the spiritual. As simple as that. You deny the physical to focus on the spiritual. And it's not a thing of, you know, God, I fasted, so you owe me. Because some people approach it like that. Well, God, I gave up food for a whole hour. Now you owe me. People do that. No, it's not that God owes you. It's the fact that you're just simply denying the physical to focus on the spiritual. The word fast or fasting occurs 65 times in the Bible. And in the Bible, people fast for different reasons. Some people fast because they're mourning over the loss of loved ones. Some people fast because of the grief over their sin. Some people fast for more power in prayer. Some people fast to seek the will of the Lord. People fast for different reasons. People fast for different lengths of time in the scriptures. Jesus and Moses, remember, they fasted for 40 days and for 40 nights. You can fast for one day. You can fast for two weeks. You can fast for one month. You can fast for one meal. Notice David fasted for how long, saints? 21 days. And notice you can fast by denying yourself certain foods. Look at it again in your Bibles. I ate no pleasant food. So you can fast by denying yourself certain foods. For me, I will fast if I deny myself chocolate satisfaction ice cream from Harris Teeter. Just in case I come over. So, but, but now look, you can't fast from something that you don't like. Like if you don't like that food, that's not considered a fast, all right? <laughs> You're like, well, I fast from asparagus. <laughs> okay, that's cheating. Cause you like you don't like those anyway. So you gotta you gotta you know fast from something that that you really enjoy. And so Daniel was on a partial fast for three weeks and not eating any pleasant or the word in Hebrew is tasty foods. Really interesting. In other words, he didn't have a cinnamon rolls with frosting dripping over the top. Piping hot, fresh from the oven. A glass of cold milk. <laughs> he didn't eat any meat. No Big Macs. And uh, no wine. You know, no meat, no wine. Now, I've heard people say this here, and I'm going to move on, but I heard people say that, um, you know, they were fasting to lose weight. I've heard people saying that. Well, let me tell you, that's not a fast. That's a diet. And you want to be careful here. That's a diet. What's the difference? Dieting is done for you. Fasting is done, you guessed it, for the Lord. You see, when you fast, you're drawing close to the Lord. When you diet, you're drawing close to a mirror, a scale, to you. There is a difference. And Jesus said, by the way, when you fast, he said, don't walk around looking like you're fasting. Remember that? We talked about that in Matthew. He said, don't walk around looking like you're fasting. How you doing, bro? Well, I'm fasting. 
Why do you have like look all dusty and not shaven and haven't brushed your teeth? You know, well, you know, I'm just fasting for Jesus. Jesus said, don't do that. You know, when you're fasting, don't look like you're fasting. Fasting is a time to afflict the soul, not build the ego. And Jesus says, listen, fasting is to be private between your soul and God. Daniel's been fasting and been mourning for three weeks. Boy, do I have to move on. Look at verse four. If you're there, say amen. Now on the 24th day of the first month, as I was by the side of the great river, that is Tigris or Hedeco. It literally means rapid. I lifted my eyes and looked, and behold, a certain man clothed in linen, whose waist was girded with gold of Euphaz. His body was like burl, his face like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like torches of fire, his arms and feet like burnished bronze in color, and the sound of his words like the voice of a multitude. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision, for the men who were with me did not see the vision, but a great terror fell upon them so that they fell, they fled to hide themselves. Therefore, I was left alone when I saw this great vision, and no strength remained in me, for my vigor was turned to frailty in me, and I restrained and I retained no strength. Yet I heard the sound of his words, and while I heard the sound of his words, I was in a deep sleep on my face, with my face to the ground. Now we got to stop right there. Daniel's weeping, Daniel's mourning, Daniel's fasting and praying for 21 days. And he's standing at the bank of the Tigris River, or as I said, the Hedeco, which means the, which means rapid. Today, this river flows in Iran through Baghdad and it empties into the Persian Gulf. And while standing by the river, Daniel saw a man who was obviously an angel. Now, some guys look at this vision and they say that it is Gabriel. I don't think so. Gabriel showed up, you might remember, in chapter 9. Gabriel showed up in the previous chapter, and he doesn't look like this. And Daniel doesn't have the same reaction, so I don't think it's Gabriel. And I don't think it's an angel at all, as a matter of fact. I agree with many commentators that this is a, an appearance or a Christophany or an appearance of the pre-incarnate Christ. Rodney, what makes you say that? Keep your finger in Daniel turn to Revelation chapter 1 really quick. That would be the last book of the Bible. Of course you know that. Why do I think it's not an angel? Why do I think it's Jesus? Because in Revelation chapter 1, we, we have the, uh, the same description. Did, when you read that description, did, did, did that sound familiar to you? It should have. Look at Revelation chapter 1 beginning in verse 9. Saints, are you with me? I, I, well, if you're with me, say amen. There, you sheep, you just have to tell them every little thing. You know? Now, look at verse 9. I, John, both your brother and companion in tribulation in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ was on the island of Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I know I'm reading fast. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice as a trumpet saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. And what you see right in the book, John, and send it to the seven churches, which are in Asia, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me, and having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands, and in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man. Look what he's wearing. Clothed with a garment down to his feet, and girded about the chest with a gold band. His head and hair were like white, like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes like a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass, brass, as if 
we find in a, in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. In his right hand had seven stars. Out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. And when I saw him, notice what John did, I fell at his feet like dead. And he laid his right hand on me, saying to me, don't be afraid, I'm the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I'm alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and of death. You see, that's why I believe this is an appearance, a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus Christ in a, a Christophany, because we have the same description here in Revelation chapter 1. You want to do some homework, look at Ezekiel chapter 1. Don't do it now. Write it down. Ezekiel chapter 1 gives us the same description. So we've got Daniel chapter 10, Ezekiel chapter 1, and Revelation chapter 1, all telling us the same description of this man who shows up. We understand him to be an appearance of Jesus Christ. Go back to Daniel. Now, it's interesting to see. Over and over and over, we see in the scriptures, when human beings come into contact with superhuman beings, you know what happens? They faint. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch, in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.